sides of the story Two sides of the story Two sides of the story With Tom and Sean Welcome to Two Sides of the Story. That is Sean Sides. And that is Tom Sides. How you doing, Thomas? Sean, I am beyond excited today. Never in my life have I thought being a lazy asshole on my phone yield amazing results. Well, the other night, I was just going through my phone, watching reel after reel when I caught one, one guy caught my eye, telling me, I don't hate country music, you just haven't found the right kind yet, and gave me a list of musicians and bands to check out. And then... Uh, through there, I told you about them. So Ponds and or Ponds or Kings, uh, through the uh, I think I sent you uh, Con I Joe the Murder Ballad. So yeah. after listening to that, I've just been deep diving them ever since, and now we are lucky enough to have them on the podcast. Ed of Ponds or Kings, welcome to the show. Thank you guys. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, I I, we, I think we are more excited to have you here, man. Uh, it, like in the last two weeks, I think I've listened to your entire catalog on Spotify. Like, I think I've gone through it like six or seven times now. Oh wow! Yeah. The only thing that bothered me about going through all the music is I wish there was more. As I keep going, I'm like, wow, it's like I really like your style of music, and it's it's funny what Tom said about the whole uh, thing that you said about. Um, you just haven't found your country music yet. I've been a guy who's often been like, I don't like country music. I like Johnny Cash, and I like the Highwaymen, and like some bluegrass, like Abbott Brothers and the Dead South. And then I stumbled upon your music, and I was like, ah, oh, you're right. I found my genre of country. I do love country. <laughs> well, that's awesome, because that's, that's what it's all about. Um, and as for needing more, like, we've got a lot of stuff that we're, we've got written and we're going to be ready to record. Um, we're a duo, and the other member of the band actually lives in L.A. because he's a, a film editor for Hollywood. Cool. And so I live in southern Missouri, which is you know in the center of the United States. And so we're far apart from each other, but we, we, we work in distance. And so we just released a new album, uh, which isn't necessarily new songs. It's a lot of older stuff that we've... Uh, now that we actually have money to get properly mixed and mastered, uh, we decided to do. And so uh, we've got probably two EPs and another album on the way in probably the next six months. So we'll do awesome. our best for that. Oh, that's amazing to hear. And I like the, I like that you're talking about how you and your partner are separate, but you still are, are able to get stuff done. Sean and I do this podcast together. I'm in Halifax. He's in Edmonton. Like we're at the opposite end of our country. It's It's insane. Thank goodness um, for your, technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, like, your social media presence is amazing. Like, that's how I was able to discover you. And so with with the way the social media is working with Reels, is that, like, how you're finding your audience mostly right now? Or is that, like, like how's that working out for you? Yeah, so about two years ago, I was, I had a small record deal with Universal Records and so it was just for one song and that song was Anymore and so I had written the song Anymore because I thought I might be done uh, done with music I have lived in four different countries in my life and I've done a lot of work for a lot of different people and I just music just wasn't working out um, and uh, so when I was having my one-on-one -on -one talks with my uh, with my guy at Universal who 
kind of talk strategy with me and he told me I needed to get TikTok and I did not want to get TikTok. Uh, I'm 31 years old and I thought that that ship has sailed for me. I don't think I have any abilities that would take off there. And he insisted. And so I got on TikTok, started making TikToks, uh, didn't go anywhere as I thought they wouldn't uh, until uh, I kind of came to the end of my deal with Universal and nothing had really come of it. Um, they were really hoping that Anymore was going to be a viral song. They were, they'd put some money into it. They kind of hyped me up a lot about its potential. And again, that was a song about quitting music. So I thought, man, this, this would be so poetic if this song really took off. And it, and it just didn't, uh, which is kind of the reality of the music industry is most things won't. Um, and so I made a video just kind of in frustration uh, about the state of country music. And that's where I kind of started this catchphrase. If you don't hate country music, you just hate bad music. Uh, and I bet if I showed you the right country music, you'd like it. And uh, I, that was kind of like my signing off. I was just like, you know what? All these people always tell me I like every genre but country. And I'm like, all right. I highly doubt you like funeral doom metal or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I just know that there's country that people will like. Uh, it's just that the music you hear on the radio is, it's hardly country. Um, and I mean, that, that narrative kind of gets driven into the ground. Um, but I didn't realize that I was going to be the first person on TikTok to really say that. Like, I thought, I thought surely everyone always says this, because this is the joke in the music industry we always talk about. Like, you know, country could be great if it wasn't for Nashville. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it hit a million views, and suddenly that kind of, like, put me into a spotlight that I was not prepared to be in. And, uh, and then I started making other videos about, you know, my time in the music industry, my interactions with uh, record labels and Nashville, and those started taking off as well. And uh, I'm a teacher. I have a degree in teaching, and, and I've been a teacher for 10 years. And so I figured I could use some of those teaching skills to make videos and show people who are, you know, now that I've introduced them to country, well, now I got to show them, show them more. I got to help them dive deeper. And so I started just recommending all my favorite artists that I'd been into who, you know, are independent, independent or signed to an independent label. And, you know, slowly that just took off more and more on, on TikTok. And so you know, on TikTok, I ended up getting around 220,000 followers and things were moving and moving. And I was talking with record labels constantly. And I was talking with brands wanting to, uh, wanting to work with me. And I, it really kind of felt like things were were taking off when when they never I've been in making music for 12 years and it never never worked quite like this and uh, but then TikTok started to really wind down it, it's a really strange app and I, I'm kind of suspicious that TikTok has this time limit that they give to different influencers where it's like you know we'll we'll push your stuff if it's popular for a certain amount of time but then it'll be someone else's turn because yeah. I can't make anything work on that app now and so I. I started making reels just out of my TikToks because I was like, all right, well, if this isn't working for me, I might as well go somewhere else. And so that video that has you know about 4 million views now uh, that you all probably saw uh, where I'm wearing that green plaid shirt, uh, that, yeah. that one, it didn't even get nearly as many views on, on TikTok as it did on, on reels. And so that video took off and it, it keeps 
taking off, which, you know, that doesn't happen in TikTok. In TikTok, your your videos will take off and then it stops because it's someone else's turn then. Whereas in Reels, it just keeps going and these videos just keep going. And then I started getting celebrity followers, you know, and I've got, you know, like Tom Segura and his wife following me and uh, awesome. Tom Green following me and... Canadian and I, legend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's just very strange that, like... Huh. I, I just didn't realize Tom it. Sides following you. Yeah, um, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and and I started to become friends with a lot of these musicians that I loved. You know, I had a about a two hour long conversation with uh, Flail Records, who have you know Bridge City Sinners and the T Hung Corner Street Thieves, and you know I've started becoming friends with all those bands and uh, getting to meet uh, members of the Dead South and. It, it's been really weird because I'm still just you know, a normal guy in the you know mountains of southern Missouri. Like I don't get recognized when I go out in public or anything. But when I go to country shows, I do. Yeah. And so it's really weird. That's like I'm not a famous person except in certain weird places. I was kayaking on the Buffalo River, which is a, a national park in um, the U.S. And I, I was going there because. You don't get any internet signal there, and I was tired of social media, and I wanted to get off. And people were recognizing me as I was kayaking by them, and I was like, "All right, I can't get away from this. Like, <laughs> this is something I'm gonna have to to embrace." And so, right now, I'd say social media is like that's all that's pushing my music. Uh, I don't tour. Uh, you know, I've got a family, I've got a farm, and so touring. Uh, I I used to tour when I was young, and. Uh, it's hard on the body and uh, as i get older it's i'm just like you know if i'm unless they're giving me a chance to you know travel around in a, a nice tour bus or something like like all the cool bands get to do like i'm not heading all the way to la in a van uh, at 31 uh and so you know i, I got asked by um the new mexico state fair if i wanted to come and, and play the main stage with them and so those are the sorts of things where, you know, I'm, I'm still really considering, like, those sorts of shows, you know, would be really fun and uh, be worth getting the old band back together for. Uh, but it's just kind of funny that it all took off when I was semi-retired. And so yeah. you know, this duo that used to be a five-piece, you know, we had a fiddle player, bass player, drum player. And uh, just as a duo, I, I just didn't think things were going to happen. And, uh, yeah, it was, so, yeah, Reels and TikToks, TikToks just not working out for me right now, but Reels definitely, uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of posting stuff and seeing, seeing what works. I, if I was really smart, I'd probably be, like, capitalizing on everything and working with labels, and it's just, I don't know, like, I, the amount of effort I want to put into it is, uh, just enough to kind of find fans who might like our music, because I'd, I just I love writing music. I love recording music. For you know, sure. I do it all in my own house. I do it all in the closet of this 120 year old house. And that's cool. I it's hard it to, to navigate that kind of stuff, right? Like, I mean, when you're just a regular guy in your own heart, you know, you feel I'm just a regular guy, and then people want you all of a sudden, you know. And it, it must be weird, like, to have that feeling as well, because, like, even me and Tom, we were like, man, like, it's so good. Like, I, I, your music is now going to inspire other people to pursue this kind of a career and that's got to feel pretty cool to you to know that too like you know people find meanings in your music of their own 
as well. So like listening to any more you saying like it's about you giving up the music industry and stuff, it was interesting to not know that listening to it for the first time to find meaning in it for myself too, you know what I mean? Like it's neat. It's really cool like to have your product out there. It's funny navigating TikTok and uh, reels and stuff like that is something me and Tom are still totally trying to work on, but <laughs> it's weird, you know, it's the idea of being famous has got to be strange, you know, in ways too, right? Fame isn't like fame like it used to be. I mean, there aren't really movie stars anymore. There's there's this pockets of fame. There's like niche fame. Like people can get really big and then completely burn out. You know, and I, I get to meet a whole lot of influencers from TikTok and Reels who are way bigger than me and just seeing like how it affects their lives. I mean, when I first went viral, I kind of like felt sick for days because I was like, I'm, I was a nobody. I love my privacy. That's why I live out in the middle of nowhere. And then suddenly everyone's eyes are on me and I, and I, people I'll never meet in my life are, you know, sending me all sorts of messages. I mean, that, that one video that you don't hate country music one on it, it never got the sort of visceral reaction uh, on TikTok as it does in Reels. Like, there are people who send me direct messages just, like, furious out of their mind. And they're like, how dare you say that I like country music? I'm like, why would I care? <laughs> like, if you don't like this video, just scroll on. But like, Yeah, flick one more time. <laughs> well, and I, Tell I think, me what kind of music to like, sir. <laughs> it's, it's just really weird because it's like, buddy, yeah. I'm not talking to you, like. Yeah. move on like i'm like it's a catchphrase but yeah. a lot of people on reels didn't realize you know i've been on tiktok for a year the people who knew me on tiktok they knew my catchphrase i had like 12 videos that i started with that catchphrase and so you know you don't hate country music you hate bad music I mean, it's on my t-shirt uh and yeah. so the people who had never heard of me before are just like oh are you trying to fight me man i'm like i, I don't know who you are like and I think with social media, a lot of people just can't understand that they're not the main character in everyone else's lives. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not the main character in everyone's lives, and thank God, I don't want to be. Yeah, like, no I don't want to be the center of attention. And, you know, but there's just, it's just so strange how if I, I, I don't read the comments to that video anymore just because half of them are like, oh my gosh, you changed my life. I love all these artists. And the other half are just like, I hate you so much. And I'm going to keep DMing you until you acknowledge me. And I'm just like, I, come on. Well, we're on the positive side of that coin. Like, one of the first things I wanted to say to you is, honestly, like, thank you for putting that out. Because I don't know if there is another way for me to stumble upon the, the bands that I got to discover because of your post. Just, like, your music alone, amazing. I got to, like, listen to the Bridge, uh, Bridge City Sinners. I'm a big fan of theirs now. I'm a big... Like, there's this whole subgenre of country that you call a Southern Gothic folk. And I would, I would like to ask, like, how do you define that? Like, in your own words. But it's just, like, first, thank you for showing me. the Poor Man's Poison, uh, all of these bands. It just, I had no idea. Like, we're, like I'm living in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. I don't think that that kind of music is going to make its way here unless, like, I go out looking for it. It's... So thank yeah. you. Yeah, and they and those bands won't ever talk about themselves. There's so many great bands out there who just don't. They don't have the drive to 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 brag because they're so good. Um, they won't ever brag about themselves. And the sad thing about the gothic country world 
is that a lot of the fans are kind of hipster in nature and they won't share the bands they like because part of their enjoyment of that band is it being a secret that they like. That's I so hate, silly. <laughs> I despise it. I've, I've yeah. made multiple videos just saying like, I like y'all are not fans of mine. If you refuse to share my music because you want me to stay small. And I'm like, I no no band wants that. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, and it's pathetic to think you're a fan if you're going to try to stop artists from being able to feed themselves. But, and so a lot of those bands, fans won't share them. And so I thought, I'm going to be the one then. Like, yeah. and so Gothic Country is my own personal label that I made up. And okay. for better or for worse, people got but mad at me about it. Your, your salesmanship on that, honestly, that, that when you called it Southern Gothic Folk, I think is what you use in the video. That's what sold me. And then that's what, like, and then that's where I went on that, like, that's where I fell down the rabbit hole. It's funny, so, too, because he, like, messaged me and, like, told me on the podcast, too. It was like, Sean, you got you got to hear this. You got to hear this genre, man. And he sent me, I was like, send it to me. Like, I love new music. It's hard. Like, when you get to your mid-30s, late-30s, it starts, you, you've heard all your music. You've heard every, like, band in your genres that you, like, I love rock. I love, you know, some, some rap, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you you let genres fall away when someone like brings the heat and is like hey check all this music out it feels amazing so i i can't imagine like what you said about people trying to hold back music like what like i called my brother i told my best friend i was like you guys are gonna love this you gotta check it out and then i get the message back a couple days later holy crap and then a couple days after that i was like guess what we're gonna have him on the podcast and everyone's like no way like seriously he's willing like thanks again like obviously for coming on but it's just cool to hear this from your perspective and these things right yeah and and so i i've always loved dark sounding folky country bluegrassy music um you know the dead south have been have been pretty popular for for a while now and there's always been this country country music or country like music that exists outside of the nashville world um, and it get and it every now and then a star will arise from it, and Nashville will try to gobble them up. And so you know you got Tyler Childers, who kind of came from the Appalachian country folk world, which a lot of this you know gothic country comes from. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he signed to a mainstream label now, and it, I don't know how much he likes it, but you know he's become really big. And Coulter Wall, uh, you know from uh, Saskatchewan, he started blowing up just because of, you know, his extremely deep voice and his dark music. And then, so he was about to sign a big uh, record deal in Nashville, and he, at the last minute, decided against it. Instead, decided he wanted to move back to Canada. He wanted to buy a ranch with the money that he'd made from his first two albums, and he wanted to record whenever he wanted. And I've got gargantuan respect for people like that. And that kind of inspired me to be like, you know, I don't have to do it the way that everyone else does it. Instead, sure. you know, Nashville folks don't want anything to do with me. They never have. You know, I've been in meetings with, you know, big record labels where they just kind of like smirk at me and they're like, this is it? This is what you think people want to listen to? And it's, you know, it's, it's always been that dark gothic country and they're like no there's no there's no place for this people want happy music i've been told this over and over people want happy music that reminds them of good times they don't want to be sad i mean i've been lectured by nashville people about this and that's why i was thinking of quitting that's why i wrote anymore because i was like fine i'm gonna write one last sad song then 
about, you know, basically how I can't write happy songs. It's not that I, I don't experience happiness as a person. It's just not my muse. Like, I, my muse is the dark imagery of the Ozark Mountains that I live in. And, you know, and it's, yeah. it's a poor place, and there's a lot of people struggling, but there's this gorgeous musical tradition of, like, dark bluegrass. You know, it's bluegrass about struggles, and I just thought, like, you know, there's a lot of music like this all over. There's there's people struggling all over who come from these folk traditions. And I'm like, I need a word that can unite them. You know, it doesn't matter if you're from California or you're from Kentucky or Texas. We're all making this music that sounds kind of similar. Yeah. So I thought gothic country isn't necessarily like a strict genre so much as it's an aesthetic that a lot of different bands uh, and artists kind of match. And I thought, I can bring us all together because we're all trying to do the same thing, and we don't need Nashville's permission to come together and, and do this thing. And so Poor Man's Poison, which you, who you mentioned, um, Ryan, who's their lead singer and writer, uh, he and I have kind of become friends over the past few months. They had a mega viral song on TikTok, Against All Odds. And they're, they, they were not pushing their music on TikTok. I mean, he, they don't really have a TikTok. Ryan has, like, five friends on TikTok. Um, but one of their fans, who's, like, a cosplayer or something, had done this, like, uh, Plague Doctor cosplay and used the one part of uh, one of their songs that said, I'm the righteous hand of God, I'm the devil that you forgot. And that just, like, sometimes a line like that will just resonate way outside of your fan base, you know, resonate with, you know, mainstream music listeners. And that's what happened. And suddenly they went from being a tiny niche band to having millions of uh, monthly listeners on Spotify. And they were just like, I, what's going on? Like, suddenly we just started getting tons of streams because they're not on TikTok. So I'm the one that told them that they went viral because I that's made funny. a video. I made a video, a video about how they were in the viral top 40 for the whole world above Luke Combs, above Walker Hayes and all these Nashville pop artists that have hundreds of millions of dollars being pumped into the promotion of their songs. And then, you know, little old poor man's poison from, from rural California just, like, leaps over them all. And so I was just talking about how much I love social media can do things like that. And Ryan reached out to me, and he's like, I, I don't know what's going on, man. He's like, we've, we've been unsigned our whole career. Like, we've always been a small band. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with all this, you know, new attention. And so I started talking with him, and I was just like, "All right, well, you don't, you don't need to do anything. Like, leave it to me. I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep talking to people about it because I, I'll talk about my favorite bands to the end of time." Yeah. Uh, and you know, and I, the biggest thrill for me is that I can go see a band that has very little following, and if I like them, like I can make a video about them, and I can blow them up. That's weird. Yeah. I saw That's really um, cool. Yeah. And so one in one of those videos, um, South for Winter was a band that I'd actually come to went and saw in a town of one thousand, Buffalo, Missouri. Um, saw them play at a little cafe, you know, had a couple drinks with them after and talked to them for a while and I thought, I really like these guys. They've got this cool, dark, murder folk sound. They all live in Nashville and people in Nashville aren't gonna like that sound. And they're gonna be told over and over in Nashville stop playing this kind of music because no one likes it. And I'm like, I don't want them to internalize that, so I'm going to show them. And of course, you in the music industry, you always got people like, I can blow you up, you know. 
And so I was like, that's not what I promised them. I just said, you know, I'm, I'm a TikToker. I'm on influ- I'm on Instagram. I can't promise you anything, but I really want to tell people about you. And so in the video, you know, where I'm wearing that pink shirt about Gothic country, and I was just like, all right, I'm going to name some of my favorite Gothic country artists. And I'm going to put them in too. And uh, they went, you know, they've suddenly had, you know, like 30,000 people listening to them within two days. Uh, and I just thought, wow, like this could be something like I could do this with my life. I don't need to necessarily be, you know, a famous musician playing, you know, sold out stadiums. But if I could have the kind of power to just like help people make their careers and then show people my music uh, in between, like that would be a good life. That's really cool, a new like... kind of promoter in a sense. Yeah. Like it, it's not like. Like you, you could probably go and go like these bands are touring, these bands are awesome. There, here's some songs from their Spotify. Check them out, and if they're playing a ten a town near you, get a ticket. Like that, like that's a, such an interesting version of like the whole like go see this band. Like I, I love this. It's, it's it, bands have struggled to like, you know, you put up flyers, you go out in public places, we be like, come check us out. We're playing at a nearby bar tonight. Please, come, for the love of God come and see us but like now you have this platform where you're just like listen like if my word means anything to you this band is awesome please listen to them it's pretty cool it's one a funny thing too like when you said earlier that you're an educator a light bulb kind of went off in my head and was like oh okay like i feel that from you like it's part of your core that i like i can pick up on so like when you're making the videos i think that not just your music side of things, but your education side of things. Like it really, that combination is paying off because you're not telling people about the bands, you're educating them about the bands is what I like the vibe that I feel from it. And it's kind of cool. Like in that sense, I find it like one other comment. I have to, I have to comment on this. When you said that uh, Nashville producers say people don't want to hear sad music. They want to hear like, what? That is the craziest thing. When I'm like in my darkest days like you know you have good days you have bad days when i'm in my darkest days i listen to the saddest music because it brings you up out of that it it lets you know that other people are feeling what you're feeling and that you know maybe things will be okay and it's just crazy to me like that how much those people don't know what the hell they're talking about if they're saying that to someone like you who's like an extremely talented musician who's like they're, they're missing the boat and i guess this is the kind of thing we hear like the beatles got turned down you know, by manager after manager until they found their guy, but it's just crazy to think that that's the perception of the music industry at times, right? Yeah, and one of the reasons things are the way they are, and you know, I was I was getting so fed up with just the the mass music scene uh, in because in the mass music scene in Nashville was the scene of the whole United States. That's how it's been for. A really long time and when I first started touring you know 12 years ago it was extremely frustrating because the the means in which people were discovering music was changing and I always think you know if I was younger and TikTok had come out you know I, I really think I could have made a bigger go of it because I would have had more time to figure out how things work but you know I, I'm thankful for the just anything the there are only three record labels in the United States and really just in the wider Western world, there are only three record labels. There's Universal, there's Sony, and there's Warner. They are all friends as opposed to uh, competitors. 
as in they all they, they trade top 40 spots with each other um, you know they, they make sure that their releases are far away from each other so that they don't conflict and because of that monopoly the game changers that used to kind of happen you know say like when Nirvana just like crushed pop music in the 90s that yeah. sort of thing doesn't really happen these days because the music industry has no reason to be creative or take risks because everything's safe now. And so, you know, I felt like I had been completely blocked out in Nashville because anything that was different, it, there, there was no reason for anyone to take a chance on something that was different because what's working is what's, what's working. And, you know, frat yeah. country that, you know, plays at honky tonks, like, you know, that's as easily, easy to consume as anything could possibly be. That's, working enough for them to keep making the money that they're making and they're not interested in making more money if it means more risk and so you have to go somewhere else and so independent artists we got we got no one on our teams besides you know the grassroots and just people who like it you know i'm a one-man team and people are always shocked they're like you know you don't have a manager you don't have a promoter or anything like no i'm i'm a guy who makes videos in my barn sometimes in between you know mowing and taking care of the land or whatever i'm doing and uh, that is a really hard life for a lot of people because there are a ton of really good musicians who don't have the sort of presence that's necessary to go big on social media i didn't know that i had that but i think because i'm a teacher and because i'm in front of crowds regularly speaking i think i i kind of have that that natural experience that makes people listen a little better. Whereas there, I know so many good musicians who are never going to go anywhere because they just can't, they, they can't represent themselves well. And, uh, and because of, you know, the monopoly and Nashville being so incredibly comfortable, it's just, it's great that there is some sort of social media platform to say like, there is so much going on outside of that. And it almost offends me personally when people are like, yeah, I hate country. All those stupid hicks who, who you know, just talk about beer and trucks. You know, they're, they're, they're just all just a bunch of dumb morons who don't know how to read. And I'm just like, you've never heard anything. You don't know anything. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, when I was touring, you know, 10 years ago, and I'd, I'd bring out my banjo when I'm playing in big cities, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen that before. And, you know, some people would love it. Some people would make fun of it. But, the, you know, folk music was kind of having a moment in the 2010s and the Avid Brothers and Mumford and & Sons and Fleet Foxes and people were really into that. But that's when I started hearing the whole, like, you know, I love indie folk, but I hate country music. Like, I, you know, I'll listen to banjos and I'll listen to, you know, bluegrass, but I won't listen to country music because country music's, you know, that's that's all the bad stuff. That's that's the bros and the frats and the whatnot. And I was like, no, there's not, That's that, there's no difference there. You're making that difference. Like, there's so many great artists who call themselves country. Tyler Childers calls himself country. He actually gets upset when people call him Americana. And there's this idea of, like, you can take back country music. It doesn't have to belong to Nashville. Uh, you know, and, then, you know, they've got billions of dollars, and they've got, you know, all the connections in the world, but if they don't have... But they can't create lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle is a natural thing. Virality has a lot to do with lightning in a bottle. You can't just make something go viral. I mean, you can pump tons of money into it and hope that it might go viral at some point, but nothing is going to be lightning in a bottle. And I guess you don't hate country music, you hate bad music. For the time was some lightning in a bottle. 
Yeah. That's it's an amazing like like I'm glad you put it on a t-shirt cuz it's genius. I wanted to ask you about the uh, murder ballad that you did for Cotton Eye Joe. Now, when you write a song like that, is there, like, legal action you have to go through? Um, and also, thank you for creating, like, a semi-sequel to that song. For the longest time, I was waiting to find out where he came from and where he went. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But, yeah. but it's an amazing song. Like, it, like, you took something, like, that was just, like, a fun thing to hear at sporting events, and... You you made this into this beautifully powerful, dark, violent song, and I I I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, it's 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 really funny to me that that is the song that kind of has become our calling card. That's the song that people know from us, especially because anymore was the song that Universal Records loved so much and really thought was was going to be the one, because. The whole inspiration for Cotton Eye Joe, the murder ballad, was a challenge from our fans. Uh, I had made an informational video about the song Cotton Eye Jokes. So Cotton Eye Joe is a folk song that's, as far as we know, it's probably older than 140 years. Um, and it's, it started off as a, a real medley. Uh, that would be played out in you know out in the mountains long before they started recording music, and so it had been around for a long time. The Cotton Eye Joe was like a, a typical dance that people would have uh, out in Appalachia, and so it was around the the 1910s, 1920s that they they recorded a version of it, and uh, the story of the song changes depending on who's singing it, and that's kind of how folk music works. And so, you know, there was this weird rumor that I'd heard that Cotton Eye Joe was about slavery, and which, you know, that's kind of the uncreative way to interpret just about everything, and it, it never really was about slavery. Um, the original voice of Cotton Eye Joe was actually, uh, I think it was supposed to be a slave singing about how upset he was that his the girl that he liked went off with another guy, and he, and he took her to, you know, he, she went to another plantation and so he called him cotton eye to make fun of him saying you know he'd, he'd been out in the field so long that he had glaucoma and mm -hmm. so he was calling him cotton eyed uh kind of as an insult like saying you know he he's he's ugly and he's got because the original song says his his lips are thin and his teeth are you know he's got buck teeth uh but he's tall so you went with him and uh slowly then it started changing from that into uh, like what Bob Wills and, and the Playboys were singing, uh, and their version of it was a song using the medley of Cotton Eye Joe was a song about singing the song Cotton Eye Joe. It was almost like a meta, a meta song, and so the song had already was really well known culturally, but the version you all know, uh, which comes from Rednecks, uh, so that was created by a group of Swedish DJs. Um, country music was having a moment in Sweden where it was it was becoming pretty popular uh, after World War II, and so uh, it had had a couple decades where some Swedish country singers were going to Nashville and actually gaining a lot of uh, popularity. If people don't know this, but uh, Swedish songwriters write the vast majority of pop hits that you hear in the United States, especially, you know, Backstreet Boys... Britney Spears, all that 90s pop music came from Swedish songwriters. And so the Rednecks were a group of DJs who thought it would be funny to make their own version of Cotton Eye Joe, but make it like this techno, like dance remix. 
they never thought that it was going to become popular. And so once it started becoming popular, they made a music video where they all dressed up like American Hicks and, you know, beat on banjos or whatever. And it was never something they took seriously. It was always supposed to be a parody. And somehow it just became the stadium, the stadium rock song that you hear, you know, all over the United States and Canada and, you know, pretty much anywhere that there's sports. And so that's the version that everybody knew. And so I had made a, a video talking about the history of the song and then debunking a bunch of rumors. And so another rumor was that Cotton Eye Joe was about an STD. Uh, and that's what I, I have probably received 10,000 direct messages over the course of a year being like, you actually uh, got it wrong. It's about an STD. And I'm like, no, uh, I'm actually an academic. I have a master's degree in philosophy of history. And I'm like, I poured over documents from Appalachia University about about the song about you know where it comes from what does the what does cotton eye mean because they're like cotton eye it's it's a it's an std you know you have to use a cotton swab and i'm like okay well one this song is much older than cotton swabs cotton swabs didn't come about until you know 50 years after this song became popular and i'm like two uh, the only reason that this song ever even became you know it, the rumor about that started just at like elementary schools in the south so that's not true i'm like it's about a womanizer who steals a guy's girl and he's lamenting because now he's gone he didn't know where he came from he didn't know where he went but he know that he knows that he's got his woman and so you know the the whole song is essentially saying like damn you cotton eye joe like you know and so i thought you know i make dark country music I had released Demons in Armani Shoes already, and that was a direction I always wanted my music to go. Great song, by the way. Great. Oh, thank you. Um, I had always wanted to make dark country music. Um, I'd already been, I've always been kind of reticent to do it because everyone in Nashville said, no one wants dark music, no one wants sad music. I was kind of finding that happy medium for a long time, but it wasn't going anywhere. And then once I kind of put the finger to Nashville, I was like, all right, I'm going to do what I want. So I'd already released Demons in Armani Shoes, which has its own backstory. Um, and they were like, yeah, we want more music like Demons in Armani Shoes or Ozark Gothic. We want more dark music like that. And I was like, well, what if I made a new version of Cotton Eye Joe? Because it's a folk song. What if, you know, and folk songs have every decade they get upgraded or updated. And I was like, what if I updated this? What if I pushed the song back to its original era? It's the, the dying of the, the Wild West. And how about we make Cotton Eye Joe into not just a womanizer, but into a serial killer. I had just finished watching the Tinder Swindler uh, documentary on Netflix, and I thought, this guy reminds me of the person I think Cotton Eye Joe is in my head. He's this slick guy who comes into town, you know, beds everybody's wives, and then disappears. And I thought, you know, I'm going to add another element to this. Let's make, and I, I'd been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 as well for a while. That's a great and I was, game. You know, I was like, I want to inject some some Red Dead 2 into this song as well. So I wrote, recorded, and released it in one week. Uh, that was the challenge. Is like, can I get this out before all the hype about this disappears? Because the video that I'd made about Cotton Eye Joe went viral. And everyone's like, yeah, we want you to make a new version of it. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. <clears throat> and so we kind of made it up as we went really fast. Me and my songwriting partner, you know, him in California, me here, uh, and so I, I kind of like put together the bones of the song 
And then I sent it to him, and I'm like, all right, you need to make some, like, Wild West-sounding guitar part. And so he, he made the guitar part, sent it back to me, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do a whole bunch of different vocal styles, and you can tell me which one's, which one's the one that you want. And so we ended up mixing some of those vocal styles and, you know, kind of give the song a build. But it's really raw. The production is super raw because I, I did it in my spare room. Uh, we didn't hire anybody professionally to mix it because we're just like, all right, we got to get this out in a week. We got to be able to mix this and master it quickly. And I think that kind of added some of the character that people really like about it is that it doesn't sound super produced. It, we wanted to even give it an effect of sounding old, uh, and so, you know, the kind of that part of the song where the bass comes in is like, doom, 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 doom. My, my friend added that to it. And I just thought, all right, well, this is, this is becoming something. I don't know what it's becoming, but it's, it's something. And, uh, and it flopped horribly when I released it. Cause I mean, of course it, it would, I, I wrote it and released it in a week. I didn't do any of the things you're supposed to do in the music industry to make sure people can hear your music. And I kind of just thought, okay, like, that was fun. I'm going to move on. Um, and kind of the way the music industry works these days is it, it takes months before people can really start discovering your music. It has to kind of move through the ecosystem for a while. And so I had made a couple videos about Cotton Eye Joe, the murder ballad, and I thought surely someone would be interested in this, at least as, like, a novelty. Um, but people were mad at first. I, I was, again, getting messages from people being like, your version sucks, like... <laughs> the original version's way better. And I'm like, buddy, that's not the original version. That's a techno song. Like, <laughs> that's funny. And I, I, I got a lot of hate for it at first, like much more hate than I got any positive responses. So I just thought I'm going to leave this behind and just move on with my life. Yeah. Uh, but when poor man's poison was kind of having their moment, I was like, all right, well, I'll at least mention to people in this series of videos that had gone viral, you know, I make music too, and this is my song, Cotton Eye Joe, the Murder Ballad. And uh, it was it was really when that video about Gothic country popped off that people were like, "Wow, like I like this song, and I want more." Like the plan right now is that I'm going to make an e uh, an EP that tells the whole story. So that's just going to be one part of the story. Oh and shit! That, and so it'll be just about four or five songs at least right now because it's getting more than that will be a. Uh, a lot more complex, but I've always loved writing stories. I'm not super good at it, but I've always loved writing stories. And so the challenge that I gave myself for that song was I need to tell a whole story in like three and a half minutes, which is really difficult to do, but I'm like, it has to have a, a stop and an end, but people really want a sequel to it. They're like, we need to know what happens. Does he get Cotton Eye Joe in the end? Does Cotton Eye Joe get him? Like that was the demand that I was getting. And then some people were like, you know, you need to make an animated music video about this. And and so, yeah, the plan right now is that I'm going to try to finish that story eventually. I've got, like, all these songs that I need to release that are already recorded before I can get to that. But, yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, but, yeah, it, it just kind of organically just took some time uh, to really start finding its traction. And, and I've got that, you know, some people were sending me messages, and this always happens uh, when you're a musician on social media, is I started getting people insulting me in the form of advice that's like a really common thing on social media is like i got messages from people being like wow your cotton eye joe song has so much potential but like uh you know you kind of ruined it with some of the decisions that you made and it sounds really raw and really unprofessional and you know i bet i bet if you just workshopped the song 
with some songwriters uh, like like me. I'm I'm the leader of the Songwriters Guild in Nashville. Like like if you if you would just send us your songs and let us like give our two cents on it, I bet it would have been a lot better. And I'm like, buddy, no offense, I don't care what you think. Like yeah. I'm not gonna send you my songs because the the sneaky thing is that what he really wanted was a writer's credit, and that's what. There are yeah. vultures in Nashville who all like there are all these people desperate for success, and if they if something is kind of popping off, they want to be a part of it. And I'm like, but you have nothing to offer me. Like this song isn't supposed to be some sort of perfect song that goes to number one on the charts. This is supposed to be fun, and it's only fun uh, if I'm dealing with people I like. I don't want to deal with people I don't like, and I, I'm like, frankly, I don't want to send you my song because you have not been successful in anything. Why should your opinion matter to me at all? Yeah. Like, yeah, if this was like the Dead South being like, yeah, we want to make our own version of this song. I'd be like, oh, yes, of course. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it, it, and so, you know, I, it, it's just very strange. It's, it's the song that gets the most streams out of all of our music by a long shot. Um, and it's kind of funny because the new re- album that we just released is not nearly as dark as the stuff that we've, we've got coming. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of an attempt to like diversify the music that we make because I don't like to kind of stick to just one, one idea or one sound. I like to kind of rotate between ideas. So, you know, I want to make a dark album then I want to make an album that's, you know, a little less dark, still sad, but not nearly as dark or, you know, I I want to experiment with different sounds because, because I like country and like country and grunge country and something else, you know, how can I get inspired? Um, I, I used to, hang out a lot with this guy who uh used to work for sony records and he was kind of one of their uh one of their idea men and he he told me something that uh, has always stuck with me which is if you want to be a good songwriter you need to listen to every genre you need to listen to the best of every genre you need to get inspired by the best of every genre if all you're doing is listening to country music you're gonna make boring music and most people in Nashville, that's what they're doing. They're making boring music because all they do is listen to country, and so it's the same trucks, beer, sure. and, and I, I don't want to listen to that. Uh, some people love it, and fair play to them. You know, I'm never going to attack somebody for the kind of music they like, but I want to make something that I enjoy, uh, and I'm, I'm never going to just write something because it's going to make a lot of money, which, you know, probably makes my wife upset but that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> that's the right attitude though right like you want your art is your art you know mm-hmm. no one can tell you what your art is because it's from you it's like me and tom with our show like we try to diversify as well like we'll talk about star trek because we both watch star trek and can't help it some you know but we talk about marvel and we talk about music and hockey and like all these different avenues we don't want to be told hey you might get more views if you only do this like, I don't want to know that. I don't want to hear that. That's not who we are, you know? And it's cool to hear that from, like, a music. And, like, good for you for sticking to your guns, too, because I'm sure a lot of people fall into that trap of being, like, I have to fit into this box. And, you know, they're chasing that. But, like, when you have a, a life already and you're happy, like, you know, you have your significant other and family, you don't need that kind of approval that some people seek, too, I guess, right? Yeah, and, I mean, the the point if, if, if you're not enjoying it and there's no point to it like i've got a, another career and i and young musicians act like i'm like sticking a knife in them when i tell them this but i'm like don't put all your eggs in one basket like don't just like i'm so sick of 
being told, oh, come check out this young country artist in town. And, you know, and I like to support local artists. I like to support young artists, you know, and I'll give them advice that I think will help them avoid a lot of pitfalls that are easy to fall into. But it's like I'm putting a dagger in them when I say, you know, get another career at the same time. Like, you need to have something else that you're doing because, and they're like, no, 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 my, my dream is to go to Nashville and be a songwriter. And I'm like, you and a bajillion other people, and guess what? They're better than you. I don't care who they are. They're better than you. And they're not going to make it either because there's someone better than them. Like, I don't yeah. care how good you are. You're not making it in that unless a million things align. And you need to be told that as early as possible and then be say, instead of that... Find something and build it yourself. Don't go and say, hey, like, you know, I know you built this whole scene in Nashville. Like, make me a part of it because they're going to say, what can you give me? And they're going to take everything from you and they're not going to give you anything back because you're not in a position of power. They are. But if you build something, well, they're going to come to you. And so that's kind of the thing with my TikTok and Instagram and kind of building this community of people who, you know, out country singers outside of Nashville who don't want to go to Nashville, who aren't gonna, you know, go there and play that game. And then get to the point to where, you know, people from that world are reaching out to us and saying, okay, like, you know, you're, you're having some sort of success. Like, you know, I, I would love to be a part of it. And for most of those people, I say, no, I say, no, unless you have something to offer me, I'm not talking. Man, we appreciate you saying yes to us. (laughs) And I, and I mean, I, I kind of, these are the sorts of things that are are really fun to do because I don't I don't need to be on Joe Rogan getting you know bajillions of listeners. I need, I want to have conversations that are are fun and uh, fun and useful you know to all of us. It doesn't matter how many followers people have if it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, and we appreciate we also appreciate you coming on. Like I'll, we'll be honest with you, like our podcast originated. Uh, as a way for Sean and I to get to know each other. We're cousins that didn't meet until I was in my mid-20s, and he was, and he's older than I am. So this was a way for us to, like, learn about each other and all this stuff. And through this, it's kind of grown into this entire other thing. We've only, all the guests that we've had on are, is some version of family. It's either yeah. a friend of us or actually re- a friend of ours or someone that's actually related. You are our first guest where we don't know you. And we want to get to know you. The one thing that we have in common is that we stumbled upon your 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 art, your music, and we both really enjoyed it. And it's been a it it's been this uh, fascinating two weeks. Like when you reached out to us after the post I put out there, I t- I, well, I tried calling Sean right away. He didn't answer. I sent him a, sent him a message going, Sean, cool things are happening. I don't know how this is happening, but cool things are happening. <laughs> I looked at my phone and it, it had blown up and I was like, what is Tom going on about? Like, I, I need to know. And then, you know, it grew from there and like, yeah, like what, to what Tom's saying, it's super cool. Like we just, we are who we are. Like, yes, we developed this podcast in order to get to know each other, but now it's like having a guest on like you where it's like, it's so interesting hearing your insights. And like, I love your saying of like, you don't, you know, hate country or you don't hate country. You just haven't found your country in the way like, it just resonates with me especially because like my fiance loves pop country and I'm like, girl, I don't like that stuff. Girl, you know, but then I find the happy mediums where I'm like, Oh, maybe she'll like Johnny cash and Chris Christopher, like maybe, and then bleeding and like a brothers, like you said, and it's cool to find my genre of country. And I feel like what you're doing and the music you're producing 
that's my genre of country. I found I like country music, and it feels good to say that. <laughs> and what I really like about you is you seem to be like a very much a team guy. There's nothing. There's no posts that I've seen that are yours where you're not also trying to lift up someone else as well. Like your first post, you had nine different artists with nine different songs. If you like any one of these songs, I've done my job, and that is a beautiful thing you're doing. It's yeah, it's that educator in you where. Because of you, I now have this new genre of music that I am deep diving. I'm looking forward to. I'm getting Spotify to make me like playlists about through these bands and like see what's crossing over. Because you hit that radio button, and then you amazing things happen sometimes. And it's honestly just a silly post, or not to call it silly, but like just one post that I saw on Instagram one day when I couldn't sleep has now changed the whole dynamic of music I'm listening to and. Now it's kind of changing the dynamic of our show. Now we have guests that are actually reputable. Now we're like a real podcast. <laughs> yeah, to call me reputable, well, I don't want to go <laughs> uh... Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, when you reached out, it people did that for me. I mean, that's this is what grassroots is. Like, you know, it's folks like you that I, I do this stuff for, like... Yeah, it's cool getting celebrity followers and getting to talk to you know my favorite bands and stuff. But I don't ever want to lose uh, lose the vision that is you know this is regular people music. You know I'm an outcast from the start, and so you know this is outcasts helping outcasts. Like you know I'm I'm not one of the cool pretty people in Nashville. Uh, I was it was made very clear to me that I never would be you know, 10 years ago, and so, you know, I could either have just said, all right, then, well, I'm done, I guess I don't have anything to offer, or I could just start building something cool, and then people can come and hang out there, and it's weird, because at some point, I'll have to gatekeep myself, I'm not there yet, I mean, there are times where I say no to people, uh, and usually it's just like, you know, when you guys said, you know, we're we're legitimate fans, I mean, we found your music, and we love it, and we've been listening to it over and over again, and those are the sorts of people I want to talk to, because I am always kind of getting down on myself, because I, a lot of my contemporary, uh, contemporary country bands that have labels behind them, and management, and such, you know, they're, they're getting a lot more notoriety than me or you know people when people are naming their favorite country artists you know I, i'm never really in there and a little part of me a little part of my ego is just like man like i wonder if they would like my music though but if i suggest it they're never going to listen to it because everyone's always suggesting themselves mm-hmm. and that's kind of how the whole idea of being like i should start recommending other people because they feel that way too they feel like oh i can't show people my music because then they're not going to listen they're going to think i'm bragging or whatever so i'm like oh, i better brag on behalf of other people um, and when you guys said you were fans of the music and that I helped you discover things like Bridge City Centers, uh, like I was just like, all right, these are these are my people. These are the people I want to be talking to. I don't want to go onto a podcast where I have to prove that I'm worth talking to. Um, you know, I'm willing to prove myself in times when it's when it's necessary, uh, but it gets exhausting when all you're ever doing is proving yourself. Um, that would be I, for sure. Yeah, and. Believe me, when I talk to Nashville people still, they want to laugh at me. They want to tell me that I'm a, an idiot and a moron. When I first took off on TikTok, I was getting lots of hate messages from radio DJs, um, venue owners in Nashville being like, don't you ever come to Nashville? Don't you ever want to, don't you ever even ask to come play in my venue? Like, you know, the stuff you're saying is toxic and ridiculous. And I'm just That's like, crazy. I don't want nothing to do with you anyways. 
But I started getting messages from the other, the smaller outcast country uh, communities. The Red Dirt community in Stillwater, Oklahoma is a really famous non-Nashville country scene. And I started getting, you know, people from there or people from the Texas country scene or people from the Bakersfield or from the Canadian country scene reaching out to me and being like, you're our people. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't belong to any of these other scenes, though. Plenty of people are like, oh, you're red dirt. And I'm like, no, I don't live in Oklahoma. I'm not red dirt. Or they'll be like, you're Texas country. And I'm like, oh, I'm not in Texas either. You know, I don't belong to any of those scenes, but I'll rep them as much as they want. You know, I'm a I'm a small town guy. I live in a town of like 500 people. Like that's that's where I'm at. And, you know, and I, I get to meet artists that are a lot cooler than me. Uh, and I get to kind of be a mentor to a lot of younger artists who have much bigger audiences than me. You know, I've got friends who've got millions of followers who, you know, I, I have phone conversations with them or we, we text back and forth where I'll give them advice when Nashville people come knocking just because I, I can kind of be that, that voice for them. And it would be enough if one of these bands that I, you know, that I, I try to push are able to make it because of me like that'd be enough like i don't that's need cool to be yeah famous. what a wonderful place to sit like you know yeah in the middle there where you can do that kind of thing for people right and it's it's cool man like don't discredit yourself though too because like your music man it's good like it speaks to it speaks to people you know and like we're two people right here who are like man it like awesome stuff i can't wait like i have a huge party every christmas um, and mm-hmm. everyone, all my friends finish their meals and then they come over to my house and we do like a big friends kind of Christmas with my family. And I'm excited to be able to play one of your songs for them to be like, you got, you got to hear this, you know, and I know every one of them is going to be shazamming and going, that's pretty good, Sean. And like when you find a good song and you get or songs or an artist and you get to play that for people, it, it feels powerful too to be like, you, you got to check this out. Like, so like when you're sharing your band list with people, you get to be that guy as well, so you know what I'm talking about, you know? It's been that great feeling of just, like, like I don't know, wh- like, where this has been hiding my whole life, but I just found this. I want to share with as many people as possible. Your song, Hard Man to Love, it is a beautiful track that, honestly, it got me in the feelings. I, I heard it, and I started feeling things. I had to play it again and stop what I was doing just so I can really take that song in. Like, it got, like... Like I had to like pull over. I was driving my car on my way to go coach football. I had to pull over because I was like, "Okay, hold on, get it together, sides. You got to go coach football. You got to be tough. Put the tears <laughs> away." Like, it is a good song. I like, and it, it got me. And I this whole thing of, you know, uh, you you don't you don't belong to all these things. I I just think you're you're good. Like, I didn't know how famous you were. Like I. I came on, I knew nothing about you. I just started following you on Instagram, and I started hearing your music. As far as I'm concerned, you're fucking famous because you have good music and you're skilled. Like, that is beyond any level. I think that's the criteria because that's what a good musician is. You have good songs. You have uh, you have this decent following. From what I saw on just Spotify alone, and then now we're here. I just i am very impressed, and I'm very happy to have discovered your music. Yeah, and that's that's... Well, thank you. That means a lot because Hard Man to Love is like, I, I've, I always hope that these songs find their people eventually. You know, I'm a one-man team, and I always do ask myself in the back of my mind, like, if I gave this over to a record label, would they be able to 
find the people better than, you know, because I can only push things so far. And I get sick of my own songs, or I feel like people get sick of me pushing my own songs. And, and, and again, I do get lots of DMs that are just from people being like, stop talking about your music. I hate it when you talk about your music. Talk about someone else's music. And I'm like, okay, man, that's, I don't know. And these are always like my followers too. And they're always like giving it, again, they're insults in the form of advice. They're like, you know, you, I think your channel would do way better if you just didn't talk about your music and you talked about better <laughs> artists. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, man, like you got to understand, like I'm going to do what I want. Sorry. Yeah, you're betting on yourself right now. Yeah, and, and Hard Man to Love is, again, I, I often release songs that kind of don't fit with each other. They're always kind of a different sound. Hard Man to Love is definitely like a blues country kind of song, and it doesn't sound traditionally country at all. So the people who think that all country music is is slide guitars and Alan Jackson, like they're going to reject it, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I wanted the song to be, you know, my songwriting partner this was one that we actually recorded together when he was visiting for a week and he pissed me off so bad when we were recording that because every take i do he's like more he's like nope deleting that more and i'm like more like how can i do more and he's just like he's like you need to you need you need to put more emotion into it he's like i know you can he's like you know i i have a i used to have a, a nearly a three octave voice i don't anymore um probably too many years of smoking and stuff but uh i i just thought okay I'll, I'll i'll try to show people what i can do vocally because i don't normally go through all the all the notes that i can hit because that's not typical for country music you don't belt very often in country music and so hard man to love was one that i knew was not going to really take off instantly because it's it's weird it's got blues guitar solos uh, it kind of morphs into this really weird, like ethereal sound by the end because the uh, "We Are in Hard Times" part. I wrote that like five years ago, just that part and nothing else. Uh, I I remember I just started playing those chords and singing that, and I was like, "There's nowhere that this fits." I, I couldn't. Normally, I write songs in just like ten minutes. Like it all comes to me at once, and that it just wasn't nothing else was coming for it and so I just sat on that like little line for a really long time and at the end of that song I just thought you know this is a song I'm experimenting with I'm going to add it to the end and so you know kind of ended up what it was and you know maybe it will someday uh you know continue to find its its audience and you know it makes me feel really good to know that it hits you in the feels that way I, I know a lot of people can probably relate to the lyrics um, you know, and all those times that I, I all that, those lyrics are just coming from my own life experiences and getting frustrated with myself. And if I, if that can help other people, that's, that's, that's the point. And it doesn't need to help millions of people. It only needs to help one person for it to be worth it. Uh, and it, it, I got to keep reminding myself of that because, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And anytime I compare myself to people like Tyler Childers or Coulter Wall and I'm just like man like I love those guys so much but why why was it just why was it them you know not even yeah. saying you know not even well, thinking it's so why. hard to not to go look over there right yeah. you, you you're never looking at yourself that's the one problem as people's like we can't see ourselves we know what we're doing but we can always see the success of others and it's so hard to look over there and be like well why not fucking me like <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing like I'm doing the stuff. I'm putting in the work. I'm trying. I'm doing this. It's, 
And like I, that's the thing I think we can all as, as human beings can agree upon. It is a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow when you can go like, okay, why why not me? And it and it's a hard it's a hard thing to hit. Life um, lessons are weird like that with timing though too. Like I, you know, as I've gotten older, looking back upon my life, everything is about timing. And sometimes you're just not ready for that to happen yet. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It, you look back 10 years from now and you're like, I wasn't ready for that yet, but then I was. And it's weird how, like, we learn these lessons through life and it, it nav- like, we navigate through life and end up in these places. And it's just, sometimes things are all just about timing, you know? And I'm an infinitely better songwriter than I was 10 years ago. And so that's always something to be thankful for is you're going to get better at what it is that you're working on. And again, I've said it a couple times, but I'll say it again. You have to love it because these 16-year-old kids who will sometimes open up for me in local shows and their songs are inevitably about big dreams of playing in stadiums and everybody buying tickets to their show in Nashville. And I'm just like, you are, you're not aiming for the right thing. That thing that you're aiming for is actually bad. And everybody who achieves that is channeling that message to you in all of their interviews we don't like this. This isn't actually good. Being a worldwide superstar actually sucks. Like, yeah. you wouldn't want this, I promise. I remember when Jim Carrey said, I wish everybody could just have their hopes and dreams just completely fulfilled so that they know it's not enough. Uh, yeah. that, you know, it could be. And I don't want to see people getting taken advantage of. Um, one of the reasons why it's not me is because I've. I've been very bullheaded in not letting people take advantage of me. And in the music industry, they blacklist you when that happens. And I've been blacklisted for a long time, but they can't blacklist me on Instagram. They can't stop me from talking. Uh, They have tried, uh, but, you know, you can close the whole city of Nashville to me and it wouldn't change my life one bit because I'm not going there anyways. Love lots of artists in Nashville, by the way. And I would never attack them. There's so many great songwriters there. I just feel bad for them that... They moved to the one place where they're never going to stand out and shine. Down here in Southern Missouri, I can stand out because I make music for my people. This is Ozark music, you know, meant to represent Ozark people. And so I I get, you know, to have people say, you know, that your song Ozark Gothic is about my life. Uh, I actually, I wrote the Ozark Gothic song partially inspired by some of the students that I had. I used to, I was student teaching at this tiny uh, rural school that just, the community was kind of bereft of hope. It's, it's really in the middle of nowhere and there's no opportunities. There's no businesses. People either move out. Most of the kids just get into the military because that's the only way they're going to survive. Or they just fall into the drug trade. Uh, Meth is really big. So the whole song was just about a kid who tries to get out, tries to make something of himself Uh, and he still loses his life. And I had students from that school message me and say, I don't think you remember who I am, but your song's about me, isn't it? And I got multiple kids from that school asking me that question. Like, did you write that song about my life? Or did you write that about, you know, this kid who did die uh, that you used to teach? And I was like, it's about all of you. And it's about me. And it's about everybody around here because the Ozark Mountains, nobody knows where this is. I mean, I'm sure in Canada, no one talked about talks about the uh, Ozark Mountain area. Uh, it's always about the Rockies or the Appalachians or, you know, that's the place where tourists go. For sure. And so I was like, you know, if the world forgets about all these places, you know, when I get lectured about poor people and the, the plight of poor people, 
I'm like, poor people don't just live in the city, man. Like, the destitution that you'd see out here in these, you know, all the mines closed up. There's no work out here. Uh, you know, if you, if you met these people, you'd understand that the world's just not as black and white as you'd, as you'd think it is. And uh, it's, uh, it's, the whole thing's weird. The fact that I'm even here is weird, and it's weird that I'm talking about all this because, you know, I go out and I live my everyday life and live like a very normal person. And, For sure. And, uh, and yet I do get this opportunity at times to be a voice to a large group of people. Um, so I pray it never goes to my head. When you when you write these dark songs and you go to these dark places to get it out, is it is it a hard place to get out of to continue living your life? Like, I mean, you have your teacher, you're a, a family man, so like, I assume you want to be as happy and bubbly in your everyday life that you want to be. But is it like a hard state of mind to get out of when you're in that writing process? Yeah. Um... My wife has asked me, she's like, why don't you just, like, write songs all the time, like some songwriters do? Because I'll have these moments of inspiration where I'll write a whole bunch of stuff. And I, I told her, it's because I am genuinely afraid of that space. Like, I have to get into it to write these songs. And I'm scared of it. And so sometimes I avoid... I can feel it coming, and I'll try to avoid it. And I, I won't write songs for a long time because it... It's it's something that's always there that I can kind of ignore, um, but it's like this dark pool that just like starts to fill over time. And when I write songs, it's like you know letting letting some of that darkness out. Uh, but it's not. It doesn't feel good to do. I never feel good <laughs> when I write these songs. I don't feel good while I'm writing them. Uh, you know, but I'm always happy with the results. I mean, Ozark Gothic. <clears throat> I wrote that in 10 minutes. Funny enough, I'd actually just finished watching the film The Devil All the Time. It's starring Tom Holland. Yeah, because I saw, I saw that movie and I thought, this, this is it. This is, this is life here. Like, even though it's about the Appalachians, like, this is about the Ozarks, too. Like, there's a million kids just like Tom Holland's character who, like, have to be stronger and better than everyone else just to survive. And, you know, this... <clears throat> you could live and die in this place and no one would ever know you existed. And it's just like the the words just poured out of me right then and I was like, I've got to write this right now. I sent the lyrics over uh, to my, my my songwriting partner, Ben, and I had had some melody to it, but it was really generic and not all that great. And he was like, what if I wrote the melody to this one? Because... The reason he and I work so well, I don't work well as a songwriter with just about anyone else. I've had a lot of bigger songwriters try to collaborate with me, and I just don't, because where my songwriting comes from doesn't match with them. <clears throat> a lot of them, you know, they might be good with words and and whatnot, but they're not they're not digging from the places I'm digging. But uh, but Ben does, and so Ben like sent sent it back to me, and it was just two chords played together that do 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 just over and over again and he was just like what if you sang it like this what if you sang it in the most broken way you could you know and and so he started singing what he was thinking to me and I was like this is perfect 
I'm going to drop that down a whole octave because he's got a much higher voice than me. And it was like, I, when I sing this song, I want people to think about these families in the Ozarks who, you know, moved here because of the mines. And when the mines closed, they had nowhere to go. And no one cares about them. And there's no government programs to take care of them out here. And, uh, you know, they're hated and called toothless, meth addict hillbillies. But, you know, these are people who are trying their best and the best just isn't enough most of the time. And I want, it's like, I want to force people to think about them, uh, you know, because they're often so, so ignored. And I'm like, this song, I want it to hurt when you listen to it. And I, I feel like I did it with that song. It doesn't always work. Um, but Ozark Gothic, it worked. Demons in Armani Shoes, I feel like it worked. Mm-hmm. Demons in Armani Shoes was actually inspired by a real event that happened in my life where I found a uh, high-end realtor wandering in my back field and I asked him if they were lost. Uh, I'm the nicest person in this area, bar none. Uh, most people are going to shoot you if they find you wandering in their fields. Um, and you know, and I, I'm happy to be the nicest person around because I'll give people a chance. I'm not, I'm not a shooter kind of person. And this person was rude to me. This, they were walking with some rich guy wearing khaki pants and like nice leather shoes out here in these fields. And I was like, what in the world are you doing out here, man? It's dangerous for you. And he started pointing to things on my land and saying he wanted them. And I was like, uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, I am the owner of this land. Uh, would you like to talk to me about questions of purchasing this land? And he ignored me. And he told his realtor, check the deed. Let's 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 check with the city. Let's check with the deed to make sure that this belongs to to this guy. And I was like, I, I have a fresh deed in my house that I can show you. He didn't care. And they had like parked their car all up in you know my land, which I normally don't care about if you're gonna be nice to me. Um, and uh, I'd found out that the land right next to me had been bought out by some somebody who was trying to make a quick buck on it. Uh, and they were trying to sell it to some high-end California people who were trying to get out of California. And this was a this was Yellowstone in a very like uh, a very small uh, example. Mm-hmm. But then the then that realtor cut the fences because these are city people who don't know how any of this stuff works. Cut the fences, let my neighbor's cattle out. My neighbor's in his upper 80s, so I had to go get his cattle for him. And then I repaired his fence for him, and I chewed this realtor out on the phone, just saying, like, don't you understand? Like, fences have a purpose out here. This isn't, you know, this isn't some suburb where these things are put up for, you know, to keep a dog in or just to look nice. Like, you could have destroyed my neighbor's livelihood. These, There's a highway near here. These cattle could have stampeded into the highway and killed people. And they were like, oh, sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know. Um, and I kept getting that treatment from this realtor. Uh, essentially, and I, I offered to buy the land up, and they were like, they just laughed at me. They're like, whatever you're going to pay us, it costs more. And I was just like, no, none of your clients should move here. You're, y'all, y'all are going to be hated if you come out here and act like this. Like, and you know, and so I wrote Demons in Armani Shoes pretty much, this, I think, the same day I'd had that running with that realtor because I was just like yeah I felt so small I, I felt so you know I, I don't have a lot of money I can't just buy land uh, 
and these people were millionaires, you know, there's no way I'm beating them. And if they challenge my property lines, they could win because they got the money to fight and I don't. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I better make this into a song. I hadn't, I hadn't even watched Yellowstone before that. Like it, I, I watched Yellowstone a year after I wrote that song and, uh, and I'd started writing it and it was another time where my songwriting partner, uh, he had come over for about a month. He was living with me, uh, and we were just messing around and he dropped his guitar down into drop D uh, and we were just like jamming on the song for a minute. And then he just suddenly like snapped into this like sinister sound sound that I, I couldn't produce all on my own. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is the song about the devil. This is a song about the devil coming up in Armani's shoes and telling you that uh, you don't have a choice, my friend. Uh, I'm giving you a rest. You're not a farmer anymore. And that's happened to so many people in this area. There's suburbs popping up where farms used to be because guys just can't afford to keep a hold of it. And I thought this might resonate with people. And, of course, when I released that song, I got a million obnoxious people accusing me of just romanticizing my life they're like you're just ripping off Yellowstone and I'm like just because you live in a suburb and you've never experienced this stuff like Yellowstone yes it's melodramatic but that's real stuff like not all of us you know own 10,000 acres but even if you just own 10 like if someone richer than you wants it they're going to get it and either you're going to take one check or you're going to take a smaller check later I mean my neighbor's land's been poisoned by contractors who want it, uh, poisoned his uh, his pond that his cattle drink out of, uh, and of course they had to pay a fine, and that was it. Not even a big fine either. Slap Very on the sick. wrist, go back to their construction. People don't know, and so Demons in Armani Shoes was again like just like Ozark Gothic was like, look at these people, pay attention to them. Demons in Armani Shoes was saying this is real stuff. Sometimes the devil comes. Sorry, what? Just we exist, like. Yeah, look at us. Well, and that's kind of I think what kind of drives my music is saying like is just me saying I exist out here in the middle of nowhere. You know, Demons in Armani Shoes was kind of the first time that I was like, wait a minute, this is the this is where I want to be. This is the kind of music I want to make. I want to make music that like kind of forces you into a space that's a bit uncomfortable. And then when we added that voice effect to whenever the devil talks, I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I wanted this song to sound like. And, you know, and that's a freeing feeling because when you've been making music for 10 years and yet you've never felt fully comfortable just to write the kind of music that you want to. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, we've, we're still kind of just getting started, if that makes any sense. This album that we released was kind of really long overdue. Um, and we've got a whole bunch of other stuff that that's kind of overdue that we need to release before we can really start working on more new stuff. I thought at first we were just going to release singles and no more albums, but enough people begged for albums and begged to have it on vinyl and begged to have something that you know they could keep uh, or something that they could just run that's not a playlist that I realized, like, okay, I don't need to just do what all the social media gurus tell me to do. I just need to do do what I feel like is the right thing and if it doesn't make me famous okay that's fine that's that's amazing and like the fact I just love that your art's out there I like the sheer fact that I, again I'm gonna repeat myself it's just sheer fact that this is something we stumbled upon 
I and the, I love what you've done. Uh, I wish you nothing but success. Like that was the big thing when Sean and I come across something we just like. We're gonna pump its tires until, and like, just we're gonna keep pumping its tires. Yeah. Like, this is like the the when we released her uh, when we talked about you two episodes episodes ago. I guarantee you that's not going to be the last time we bring you up. This is like this is a dream come true for us in the sense that like just the fact that we get to talk to someone that like that we're just amazed by. We're like you really like you really kind of took our breath away with your music and it's been something he and I have been texting about like like dude, did you hear this track? Yeah, the whole album's fantastic. I was like, no, but also like the singles, like just hear this and then you have different versions of anymore and it's just fantastic. Like like there's something to say about the version you have with the fiddle. There's something to say about the one that you do in the barn all by yourself. Yeah. That is amazing. And I love that that there's there's different versions and you can kind of feel like I feel a little bit more country myself now that I get to listen to something that I enjoy and it and it's something I, I I've been sharing with literally everyone that'll like hear me out on this and it I've been having a blast listening to the music that you've been like the saw the bands that you've been sharing going like if you like even a little bit of what I do also check these guys out and that to me is like one of the greatest gifts you can give someone and uh, we're not going to keep you to ourselves we're going to blow you up as much as we can we don't have the biggest platform in the world but like our platform is designed to just like let your secret out of just hey pawns are kings they exist they're on Spotify they're on Instagram follow everything they do it's really cool to hear your insights on all of it too like you know it deepens all of it too right like thinking about the people that you are representing as well like it's cool really cool to have you talk about it and to hear like i'm sure the you know people that do listen to our podcast are going to be like cool like i gotta go hear this you know like me and tom both love storytelling you know it's one of the things that um initially like when we first started the podcast we didn't know what we were going to talk about because we didn't know each other really all that well so we gravitate both of us towards like a good story and like just the idea of a place of a time you know a feel it's cool to like share that with each other and like to stumble upon a band you know like yourself and to like you know have the opportunity to have you on the show to talk to you it's just mind-blowing for us and like thanks so much for coming on and being able to like have this moment it's huge for us you know we're we're riding a high before the show me and tom had a little powwow and we're like man i am nervous we're having like a, a real celebrity on the show today you know and it's, <laughs> it's cool to like have that and like you know you coming on is like we're not trying necessarily to like be famous and grow a huge audience like but we will hit with certain people who listen to us you know and through us you know people might find your music and it'll hit with them too because same with us in alberta like you know there's a lot of hardships yeah you hear of like the oil in alberta and like the the great successes and the but there's also a lot of like hardships to be had here and where tom is as well and you know when you stumble upon like i'm a big bob dylan fan um times they are changing that album is like super dark from the 60s and like has that all those vibes of like hardship you know and you it resonates with people and like you know your music resonates with us in that sense as well like not everything is sunshine and rainbows in the world and 
a lot of people in a lot of different places will resonate with this music and it's cool you like it thank you for creating and not stopping and releasing these albums like anymore as like a a song to be like farewell to that dream or that thank god it wasn't the end you know what i mean because it's reaching even us now and like you if you have whistling in a song you have sean almost all the time and like hearing that song is just like oh like the whistling starts and i was like oh my god i melted and became like a teen girl for a moment like i love this so much it's just cool to like you know we're fanboys both of us people fan man however you want to look at it but we we like to be able to find something like this that we can love I'm sure you didn't picture a couple of Canucks just swooning over you. Well, <laughs> if you want to hear something funny and maybe disappointing, um, the reason that I whistle in any more is because I had originally planned to play some kind of instrument in that interlude, uh, and I didn't have anything. Uh, I had not yet learned how to play the harmonica, and so I play the harmonica and ain't allowed to be sad. Um, and that's the first song that I really like tried to play harmonica in, but I was like, this is not in the right key for the harmonica that I own. And so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to whistle it. And, uh, and whatever happens happens. And, uh, I always thought maybe that's just a placeholder and we'll put something else there. And so there are, there were supposed to be other solos. I know there's a guitar solo in the, that version, but I actually have a banjo solo that I took out because we had hired a uh, professional producer who had given us this like special deal for one song, but he said it only it can only be five tracks, uh, no four tracks. It can only be four tracks and nothing more, or you're gonna have to pay double. And so I took a whole bunch of stuff out of the song because we couldn't afford to produce it without that. And so it ended up being this stripped thing. The whistle, I just shoved it onto the vocal track so that it got produced in the same. You know, so whatever happened to the vocals happened to the whistle. And I just thought, okay, whatever happens, happens. But, you know, we need to be able to have someone else help us out with this production. And, you know, that's 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 how lightning in a bottle works, though. It's just like, it's always the stuff that you don't plan for that end up working out the best. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll be whistling in other songs, too. There's plenty of... I mean, <laughs> in, uh, in the solo for uh, In the Evening on the new album... Uh, I whistle the solo, even though the original version of that song had a guitar solo. Uh, in the evening, or the the version on that album, uh, is actually a much slowed down version of a different song uh, that we had released a long time ago that frankly sounded offensively like Mumford & Sons. I didn't want to release it because it sounded too much like Mumford & Sons, and so Ben was like, well, let's just completely rewrite the song then. And so we did, and that's how we got the version that we have now but uh yeah that it means a lot to me and these are the sorts of discussions i like to have because i need to hear these things sometimes it might sound a bit egotistical but i need to be told sometimes that what i'm doing is working or helping somebody because if all i all i ever focus on is the negative feedback that's just something my brain does and so i try to just throw the phone you know on my bed and walk away because i get so much it's probably not even that much, but I, all the negative feedback is what I my brain yeah. focuses on, and I yeah. it's almost like the compliments just whiz right by me, and, but it, but it doesn't when I'm when I'm talking to people, and so and I'll tell you the same thing I told the guys at Bridge City Centers and uh, Poor Man's Poison. Don't think of me as some guy with a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Just think of me as a friend, like for sure. You know, and and we're so happy to talk to you, honestly. 
we could talk to you for like five hours. Yeah. yeah. Your, your insights alone, your stories, and like just like our differences. I'm actually fascinated by you. Like I just like you've grown up in an area completely different. Like I'm from big city Montreal and I've traveled all around Canada, but I've never lived a life that you have. And just like to hear your stories alone of just like the, the, I was fascinated by your realtor story. I was yeah. like, holy fuck, this actually happens. This is real life right here. I could and talk I, to you for five hours. It's interesting to hear like the man behind any music, you know, to know like what your struggles are, what, like what inspired the tracks too right like there's a story behind every story and it's cool to that you're sharing yours with us you know and like uh, it's the same with us we don't want to have like we're not trying to get millions and millions of we just like having conversations that's often what our podcast ends up being is just me and tom talking when we go a couple weeks without doing it we're like man i missed you like i enjoy like <laughs> bouncing off other people that have like ideas and sat like things in their head you know and i i can appreciate what you're saying because when someone comes up to me like a friend or a coworker or something's like hey I listen to your podcast this week it was awesome like it feels good and it's rejuvenating and we don't like question question as much like our because we don't like our art form is just us discussing things and joking around but it's like I get you need that in life we're human beings at the end of the day we do focus on the negatives because like it, especially if you've lived on the darker side of life at times I am that person at times where I'll focus on someone's one person's negative comment as opposed to hundreds of people's positive comments. I'm stuck on that, hyper-focused on it. It never hurts to have a little tap on the shoulder and be like, you're doing good, man. Also, like, a good job from a complete stranger is something, like, that's worth its weight in gold, I think. When it's someone you have no idea, they have no skin and, like, they don't give a shit about you no matter what, but just to go out of your way to be like, Yo, man, that was awesome. Like, I have no idea who you are, but keep up, keep it up. Like, I, like I love boosting people old. too, you know, because you need it some days. Like, even new guy, like a guy comes into work and he's got a haircut. I'm like, hey, man, that looks good. Like, you're looking good today. And, oh, thanks. Like, and it just changes someone's tempo to hear positivity. You know, it doesn't hurt to sprinkle kindness out there. It's free. You know. And I also hope Ed that if you ever like go through like a dark moment, just re-listen to this podcast. We'll pump your tires the whole time. Oh yeah, you're on this show. Like, we're big <laughs> fans, man. We really are. Like we're new fans, but we're big fans. Like yeah. as soon as we discovered you, we're like, nope, we're gonna fucking tie our ship to this guy right now. We're all we're all about it. Um, so we're gonna like, wrap up a bit here. Um, is it cool with you if we like sneak one of your songs at the tail end of the podcast here, or do you want to play something? Like how do you want to do this? Uh, I'll let you guys play it because it'll it'll probably sound weird if I just play it through my speakers. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. So we'll so. just um, we'll just steal something from like. Can we like get an email of like an MP3 or can we just put something off of Spotify? Um, I think you should be able to. I don't know how you can stream it through Spotify, but uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would work, but yeah, you have my permission, of course, to... Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if you have, like, an MP3 handy, you can send it to uh, the number two, sides of the story pod at gmail.com, and we'll Here, me... throw it at the tail end of this. Yeah, so when you come through and edit it? Yeah, we'll just drop it in there. Perfect. It just, like, because, like, it took Cotton, uh, the, the murder ballad that you wrote, that was, like, my sample, and then I was like, okay... 
He's onto something here, and I would like to see what else this guy brings to the table. And holy fuck, you brought Thanksgiving. That was what... Like, I was just... So many impressed. dishes to choose from. I like it. Uh, Great analogy, Tom. <laughs> thank you. That's... that's Yeah, that's... That means a lot, guys. Um, this was, I'd say, a very rejuvenating kind of discussion to have because I, I think that... Uh, I always want to make sure I have stories for these songs ready because I'm always so disappointed when songs that I connected with so much uh, and then, then I finally get to ask the artist about it and they're just like oh I don't know I just put a bunch of words together and like I've had that happen to me in the past and I'm just like I no don't tell me that and they're like well you can make it whatever you want and I'm like no like I know I can make it into whatever I want but I want to know what puts you in the space to write this song because it meant so much to me and it's almost as if like like it's taken the the air out of my lungs when they're just like, no, it's just a song. I, I get mean, what you mean. That means yeah. something I, to me. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, when you drop your five song story of Cotton Eye Joe, you have my money. I'm already there. Like I'm. Yes, please <laughs> and thank you. Yeah, that'll that'll take some. That'll take a, a bit of time to to kind of get it and do it right because it's like you know writing a story in three and a half minutes is is hard enough, but now it's like okay, now I need to like make it not corny i need to i need each song to kind of work on their own like that's always kind of the problem is you don't want it to just have to be like they each song has to kind of live as its own song and be part of something bigger and so and I've, I've got some ideas in my mind of uh of how i'm gonna do it i mean it's all gonna be some some really dark stuff uh mm-hmm. really dark sounding stuff and so and I, i've got some other uh guest musicians you know i have philip bowen bowen who's a kind of a rising star and fiddle on uh, the Anymore Second Wind version. And I've got this uh, guy on TikTok who plays uh, harmonica, like this dark, bluesy-style harmonica. I've got him in mind to try to hire him to play some of those songs. And so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, what was the email again that you wanted me to send to you? Yeah, it's the number two, so just the, the number two sides of the story. At gmail. at gmail.com. Gotcha. All right, I will send you an MP3. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. So yeah, this is cool. our like our, our little sign off that we do at the end of every show. Sean's really bad at doing it, but if you just follow along, I'm sure you could be able to be able to do the sign off with us. So okay. like, thank you so much for being on the show. First and foremost, it meant the world to us. It really did. Big time. And I, thank you. I we really love talking to you. Yeah, man, it was yeah, awesome. Fun. Um, before we before we sign off, is there anything you want to drop your uh, socials, your uh, like all of it? Just where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Ponzer Kings Official. Um, on TikTok, it's just Ponzer Kings. Um, I mean, if you Google me, you'll probably find me, or you'll find Alter Bridge for some very weird reason. Uh, Alter Bridge has a new album that is called Pawns and Kings. So yeah, I'm not Alter Bridge, but uh, the <laughs> other stuff that will come up. Um, on YouTube as well, I've got some live videos of me singing there. Uh, also, Ponzer Kings official. Um, and yeah, just dropped a new album two weeks ago called Second Wind. Uh, so give that a listen if you want to listen to something from me. But if you want something really dark, uh, what I sent is uh, what I'm going to send you guys is what you should listen to. Awesome. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right, thanks for listening this week. I'm Tom Sides, and this has been One Side of the Story. And I'm Sean Sides, and this has been One Side of the Story. And I'm Ed Stingle, and I guess this is the third side of the two sides of the story.
Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for listening. Thanks right. for coming on. Have a good night. the way.
for listening to Two Sides of the Story. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on Instagram at Two Sides of the Story, on TikTok at Two Sides of the Story Pod, and if you want to send us an email, send it to Two Sides of the Story Pod. That's the number two sides of the story pod at gmail.com.